Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Jacqueline here. And today I want to talk about my anxiety journey with bulimia recovery and how my anxiety improved with recovery. And it's not like it's completely fine now. I still have anxiety. I still struggle. But I just want to talk about how it changed maybe with recovery. And the reason being, uh, someone in our Facebook group, so in our group coaching program, we have a Facebook group that's full of past members from the program, people who have recovered before, and then people that are currently in recovery. And I leave it open to all members. So sometimes people that are in it that are maybe struggling again, they can come back and use it as a resource. But I do a Facebook Live in there every single Wednesday for the past maybe three years now. It's been a while since I've been doing them. But someone asked on the Facebook Live, you know what? bulimia is bulimia nervosa. There's a nervous component to it. How is your relationship with anxiety or how has your anxiety changed with recovery? And when I first saw the question, I was like, yeah, it's just improved, blah, blah, blah. Then I thought about all the nuances in anxiety and what causes anxiety and how to deal with anxiety. And and I thought it might be worthwhile to go over maybe the benefits of recovering for your anxiety and mental health that you might know, but hearing them kind of laid out like that can help. And just how my relationship with anxiety has changed since recovering, because it has benefited me in many ways that I didn't realize before it would benefit me in that way, but it has. But first, I did want to jump in and say... um, we're doing a new eight-week group coaching program, and the wait list is now up for the February one. So if you want to join for our next round, which is going to be February 27th, you can join the wait list now. But outside of that, uh, it's been a lot of fun to work with the people in the group, the eight-week group. I don't know if fun is the right word. It's been intense, and it's been real, and it's been raw. And it's a, a meeting where you get to see everyone's faces on the meeting. And then our last Tuesday meeting, I switched up the structure a little bit, and I just ask every single person on the call, hey, what was one of your wins from this week? And what was one of your challenges? And everyone shared openly what was going on. And then we talked about several different things like fear of weight gain and recovery, and then also having a different relationship with food and body checking and calorie counting and and fear of, you know, the fact that binge eating purging is inevitable. So um, just giving in anyway. And then also people sharing that they've had really good weeks. Some people have are 15 days purge free and, you know, 10 days or four days binge free and that sort of stuff. And they're using the methods and some people are still struggling, but the others are lifting them up. And we also started a WhatsApp group, um, which I didn't think about when I first started the program, but someone asked in the program and I thought, why not? I'll just start a WhatsApp group. But it's cool to see people in the program using that in real time. And I don't know, I'm just learning a lot through the process, which I know maybe isn't the best thing to say because like, aren't I supposed to be an expert? But interacting with these people is different than what I'm used to in terms of a program, but it's everything I hoped it would be in terms of everyone's super present with it. People are engaged. Um, everyone is making progress in their own way and they feel comfortable sharing when they're not and what's going on and they're reviewing it rather than just giving up and feeling like a failure and people are benefiting from hearing others' stories shared so vulnerably and so um, real. And when you hear someone else talk about the same thing you're going through, you feel less crazy and alone. And that was what originally why I made the podcast. That was why I do what I do. And um, 
that's why I created this group and it seems to be paying off. So far, even though we're fresh in the process, people are telling me that they're really enjoying hearing other stories and connecting with people on the group and just feeling like they're not alone and it's feeling very motivating to them to hear that other people are having successes and learning from their wins and their failures. But then also people are saying it's very motivating to come to the calls, show up to the calls and share that they have had successes and reviewing that publicly with everyone. So I'm just excited. It's like I, it was a big risk doing this type of group. I didn't know if people would stay engaged. And I still, as we're working through the progress process, I think I'm working out some of the kinks and tweaks with this first round, but it is going to be powerful and has been powerful already. And I'm very proud of that. And I just want to say thank you for any of you guys that are in the group that are listening. Thank you for joining. This has been really fun for me and I'm honored to be able to help you with this process. But yeah, if you're interested in being a part of that, I will have early enrol enrollment starting February 1st through the 15th where you can get this program for a discount to what it usually is. Uh, but that will be open February 1st. So you can go to my website, join the waitlist. It should be up and working. If it's not, email me. And um, there were spaces in the last group open a few more. We didn't fill it out to max capacity, which I'm kind of glad that we didn't now that I'm experiencing everything. I have more time for to dedicate towards people. But uh, a few people have asked to join the group later on and they're like well if there's no spaces can i join and i've said no and i believe very firmly in that because i don't want anyone to be joining at random i want everyone who joins the group to from start to finish be a part of the process and i also don't want new people even if they're really good people to kind of invade the space of the group and um, people that are in it um, it's a protected space so if you do want to join there are very strict open and closed parameters that i follow and you won't be able to join when enrollment's not open so go get on the wait list and you will be the first to know all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Uh, <laughs> anxiety and my journey. So the first thing I'd say is that anxiety, it's different for everyone and it has multiple different causes. And I'm not about to sit here and tell you every single little tiny thing that creates anxiety because it can be something very obvious, like a stressor in your environment. It can also be just your genetics. It can be from your gut health and things going on there. Uh, it can be from drinking too much caffeine. It can be a trauma response and anxiety. It could be undiagnosed ADHD or some other problem or uh, diagnosis that you're missing. Um, it can be a ton of things. And so it's probably not the most helpful thing for me to because I don't know. I'm not as informed as I should be on that. But I do know that anxiety, there's multiple causes. Um, and I think addiction can be a cause for anxiety too. And bulimia can be a cause for anxiety. And one of the biggest things I see a lot of times is people going to bulimia, going to behaviors as a coping tactic for their, their anxiety. And you shouldn't blame people for that. It does work in some ways, especially high calorie, um, highly saturated and um, what is it called? Highly palatable foods. Those things, they do lower your anxiety response, your natural stress response that you have, your fight, flight, or freeze response. It's crazy that they actually do go and lower that response in your body. Um, and usually Cheetos and cheese and whatever it is, or cake, it's going to do a better job of lowering your stress response than broccoli which sucks. Broccoli may help a little bit, but the Cheetos and the cheese and the cake, they're probably going to help more. And I'm not sure quite what this is. I remember reading about that one time and I've forgotten. I read this book called The Hungry Brain and that talked about it quite a bit, which was interesting. They talked about how monkeys, <laughs> when they're stressed out, if they give, they're given the opportunity, they will go and get food to handle that stress a little bit better, which is kind of wild to think about. But I believe part of it has to do with 
um, how rewarding those foods can be. And they can be a nice distraction. They're comforting. And just from a bro logic standpoint, um, <laughs> which is horrible to say, uh, there's something about knowing you have food, meaning that you're safe enough to eat food, meaning that the stress that you're responding to might be able to calm down a bit because you're safe enough to eat food. But also they're highly rewarding and that can help kind of uh, minimize that stress response, which is interesting. But anyway, people go to bulimia and binging and purging for their stress response. They kind of use food as this reward and distraction. And sometimes they use it as a means to purge and kind of get out all those feelings. And purging, binging and purging, it does exhaust you. It lowers your energy standpoint. And something that I've come to do with anxiety as time has gone on is I view anxiety as energy. Not always. Sometimes it's really frustrating, but it anxiety at its heightened states always feels like this uncontrollable energy to me. And I just feel very high and like I'm kind of going quite fast. And if I don't, if I don't handle it well, I'm going to trip and fall and crash and burn because of the anxiety, right? So binging and purging can be a great way to, it's not a great way, but it can be a way to reduce that feeling, right? To quiet and quell and numb that feeling, which is what I used it for a lot of times. So people do that a lot. But what they don't realize is that if you become dependent on these things, then you might have anxiety if you don't get those things, right? You have this intense feeling and this desire and you're not meeting it. And then you're not meeting that addiction. And then you feel like you need to get um, that fix from the binging and purging in order to feel just normal at baseline. If you don't, you feel anxious, you feel irritated, you feel on edge. Um, and people think, oh, well, this helps with anxiety. And and it's kind of the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg? Is it that you are anxious without these things? Or is it the need for those things that, that are creating more of those negative feelings that you're using them to solve it? Uh, one of my clients before Christmas break, she said something, oh, I forget how she quoted it, but she said basically, um, the thing that I'm going to for relief and pleasure is the thing that's causing me pain and causing the need for relief and pleasure. And it's a messed up cycle that you go through over and over and over again. From purely that standpoint with binging and purging, once I stopped binging and purging, I think my relationship with anxiety overall doesn't mean I never struggle with it ever, but it has improved quite a bit because there's no crashing and burning and then no need need and fidgetiness and, and anxiety and kind of uh, addiction type craving towards getting that fix again. So that regulated, which helped my anxiety quite a bit. And also, I also think that this helped my own natural ability for my body to produce dopamine, for have, having a drive to do something, um, for feeling more motivated in general. Uh, basically, my dopamine receptors were quite fried, I believe, when I was going through this addiction process with bulimia. And then going without it for a little while, while it maybe made me feel lower initially without that fix to kind of bring my dopamine levels up to baseline definitely felt better long-term and I was able to regulate and be at more of a baseline rather than being basically negative um, long-term, which helped a lot. And that's a whole thing. There's, um, I think Dopamine Nation call it, talks about it in their book, but they talk about dopamine fasting where you kind of remove yourself from all these things that are giving you these quick hits of dopamine, but are frying your brain, your ability to create dopamine, your ability to have a drive to do things on your own because you're getting it from Instagram or porn or binging and purging or 
food or whatever it is or reels, that sort of stuff. Um, you're not getting those quick fix fixes anymore and you just, you're oversaturated. Um, and then you keep just crashing lower and lower and lower. And so without the binging and purging, I think my anxiety got much better and just my mood and depression in general because I was able to not have these big crashes and my system was more regulated and I had more of a drive to do things again, which helped. Um, sometimes a sign of dopamine deficiency or being fried dopamine wise is be moody or anxious. Just for from the pure perspective of removing that addiction and stimulus, um, there was this mood regulation overall that I think helped my anxiety. But I also think something that contributed that I didn't know till later is I think my gut health improved quite a bit. And if you're binging and purging, it's no mystery that you might have some issues with your gut health. Now, again, I'm not a gut health expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a coach. I'm a precision nutrition certified coach. That is what I am. And I plan to get actually addiction certified this year, which would be really, really cool. I can't wait to learn more and help my clients further. But as far as my my degree in that, precision nutrition certified. However, I do know that, or at least I have seen that there are studies on how there's a correlation between people's mental health and maybe depression and anxiety. Both those things usually have some sort of co correlation to your gut health and how you're doing. Um, and if you're binging and purging a lot, your gut health is probably not at its best. Maybe it's because of all the purging that's disrupting things, all the influx of food from the binging, all of that going on, or the lack of food, right? The lack of nutrients that you need to have a healthy, flourishing gut microbiome, right? Um, or just the slow digestion and atrophy of your digestive system might be then impacting your mental health and anxiety. And if your gut health is off, it's more than likely your mood is going to be off in some sort of way, which is wild and we don't think about it. I forget the term, but someone said like your your stomach has a second brain, but has its own kind of nervous system going on. So that's kind of interesting to think about that if you're not taking care of that, your anxiety might be higher. And I did notice that as my digestion improved, I think especially some days when I still sometimes eat something that doesn't quite sit well with me, I don't feel as good mentally. And sometimes my anxiety, if my diet's been a little bit poor, maybe I'm having a bit too much sugar, I notice my anxiety gets a little bit worse. Uh, so it's interesting to consider that too, that digestion and just the lack of behaviors and eating enough and eating sufficiently and giving yourself a wide variety of nutrients. That's something that I do now is that my diet, I do have a lot of similar things, but I can eat almost anything. I don't, I think I'm allergic to mango slightly, but I still will eat it sometimes. Uh, but anyway, I can eat a diverse, oh my goodness, I can eat a diverse set of food, um, very nutrient diverse my diet. And I think that has helped, only helped my digestive system um, be as optimal as it can be. I probably might, I might never, I don't know how good my digestive system is in the, the, rate at which it, it processes food and how healthy it is compared to someone who maybe never struggled with an eating disorder at all. Uh, sometimes you can do permanent damage and you should go to a doctor to see what that might be. But I do know that mine's functioning quite well for my general life, uh, I think, um, compared to most people that I see. And so I think that can only that has only helped my anxiety over time. And then thirdly, or fourthly, I don't even know where we're on. Um, but I think my anxiety has improved quite a bit since recovery, and I see this with other people too, um, because the act of learning how to not binge and purge actually helps you learn how to deal with emotions in general. And when I say anxiety, I'm not talking about clinical 
panic attack every single day sort of situation. It depends on how debilitating your anxiety is. I've only had a, I've only had one panic attack in my life and then a few instances where I felt close to a panic attack. And my anxiety has been somewhat debilitating sometimes in the sense of I felt like I couldn't get out of bed or just kind of in freeze mode sometimes because I had too many thoughts going on at the same time, didn't know what to do, kind of just this anxiety lock, I'd say. But it's never impacted my life to the point where I feel like I can't overcome it. And maybe I'm just in denial. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, maybe at some point I will get um, more medical intervention for my anxiety. But some people, they cannot function because of their anxiety. At least they need a little help getting out of it. And at that point, if you feel like you cannot overcome it at all, um, and you purely cannot move, and it's just debilitating, and your whole life is crumbling around you because of this anxiety, I think it's worthwhile talking to a physician about medication and how to have some sort of aid on days where you just you cannot handle it. And that doesn't mean you're weak. It just means your brain is functioning differently. Your body produces things differently and you need help to regulate it. And there's no shame in that. But if you're not struggling with that and it's an anxiety where it it does really suck, I don't want, when I say that, I don't want people to think I don't have really bad days because I do, but um, I can still overcome it. But I think bulimia recovery taught me a lot about how to experience anxiety and allow it versus resist it and how to move through it rather than letting it debilitate me further. And that is a line everyone has to consider for themselves. Just because I was able to figure that out doesn't mean everyone should be able to figure that. And if anyone says, well, I was able to handle my anxiety on my own, you should be able to handle it. I think that they're misinformed and playing a dangerous game. So be careful about that. The reason that bulimia recovery helps me understand how to deal with my uh, anxiety, how stopping binging and purging helped me deal with my anxiety is because the act of not binging and purging, you have to learn how to process an emotion. You have to learn firstly how to recognize an emotion and what's happening. And an urge to binge at its pure state, you can see it as some sort of emotion, some sort of vibration or feeling happening in your body that isn't entirely logic or thoughtful. It's just this drive and feeling. It is an emotion happening, right? So you first have to build awareness around the fact that you're even feeling it, that it's even going on. Because if you don't have awareness, it kind of happens automatically. And then you get down this rabbit hole following your urges and um, there's no power to stop it. So you first have to build awareness and you have to learn to recognize um, that emotion for what it is. And sometimes that alone, you know what's happening. That is sometimes all you need to be okay with it. Like sometimes when you understand that it's anxiety and you're not actually going to die, but it's this feeling of anxiety and you have a name to it, a label to it, it feels less scary and then you're okay. Um, and you can at least ride the storm. But that's the first thing that bulimia recovery teaches you. And that's what I teach in my course all the time is how to pause and how to recognize and go through the emotion. But firstly, how to recognize it's even happening so that you could do the rest of the process. That's a crucial skill that I learned. And that has helped me with anxiety time and time again is recognizing when it's happening. And then two, uh, then having the awareness and ability to, instead of immediately reacting to the anxiety with what it is driving you to do, which is, I don't know, be paralyzed, not do anything you're supposed to do or run around or freak out or whatever your anxiety does. My anxiety, for the most part, just kind of paralyzes me. It just makes me want to do anything but what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes it's just, I can't, I feel like I can't move because there's just so much going on in my brain and it's just very panicky. That's my type of anxiety. So anyway, Instead of reacting to it and the normal reaction to panicky, not knowing what to do is paralysis for me, so for you maybe it's different, and instead 
sit back and observe the feeling, right? Which is what you do with an urge as well, is when you're having an urge, instead of immediately reacting through binging, you just take a moment to observe before you make the commitment to binge and be curious and with the emotion first, that is a very crucial skill, right? Um, because suddenly you've built this understanding of, I can be with emotion without reacting to it. And it doesn't make it any less pleasant. It doesn't make it more fun, but it makes it just this strength that you have to kind of tolerate it and be with it and hold space for it. It's like you're holding space for your own emotions. And that's something I learned through binging and purging. And that is something I learned that I apply to anxiety to this day. And any other unpleasant emotion is instead of immediately running away from it, in whatever capacity I can, you be with it, right? Before you decide what you want to do next. And then the third thing I learned through binging, learning how to not binge and purge that I apply to anxiety now is this, this idea of can we move through it and deciding to move through it and feel uncomfortable while you're doing it. Today, I did not want to record the podcast. I don't know what's up with me lately. It's just a new season in my life always. And this, this happens to me every year, several times a year. It's very normal, just like feeling a little less motivated. And I feel very motivated in the sense of helping my group coaching members and my clients and that sort of stuff. But sometimes I go through creative lulls. And I think with the New Year's, it's just in January, it's a little gray outside. That happens. I'm not worried. But um, my anxiety today for the podcast, I didn't necessarily want to do it. I was like, I don't know what I want to record, blah, 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 blah. Like I just felt this resistance to doing it. But it was like, that's not our reason not to do it though. And if we just start talking, if we just, if we just hit go and play, maybe it'll be okay. And I, I've told this many times, but I have anxiety before any meeting. And I have this group coaching program I'm doing I always have nervousness before Zoom meetings, but then this is a whole new level of Zoom meetings because I have to see everyone's faces and something about seeing everyone's faces while I'm on the call is a little bit new for me and nerve wracking. And the amount of anxiety I'm experiencing before these calls, even though they always go well, is just, oh, it's overwhelming. And the, you know, the the hour before those calls is always just super uncomfortable. But I know as soon as I hit, if I just pay attention to the fact that it will go away and I hit the press, the start zoom button, and then I start talking and I start engaging, it will go down. It will be okay. And even if it doesn't, I can do it anyway. And so something I learned with binging and purging too, is you can say no to an urge and you can allow yourself to be uncomfortable with that. But that doesn't mean that you have to engage in the urge, which is super interesting, right? It's I always thought that like the urge has to go away for me to be able to move on. And that's not really the case. The urge can be there. You can feel uncomfortable. It can feel super unpleasant. But once you decide, but we're moving through this anyway, and you're going to allow the urge to be there and patiently, as long as it has to be there, it changes the dynamic. There's this acceptance of the urge that happens. It makes it somehow a little bit easier to deal with. And then eventually it fades on its own. And that's what I do with anxiety a lot is I accept that it's there. I observe it for a minute and then I decide what I want to do next to move through it. And again, I'm not talking about clinical panic attack level anxiety. At that point, your brain is not functional anymore. And maybe you have to do work before you get to what I'm speaking about to calm yourself down to where you feel like your cognitive function has the ability to do that. Um, but once you're there, then you can use this process. And that's what binging and purging, I think, helped me amongst all the chemical things that, that went down um, and the hormones that changed in my gut health. I think that this helped me a lot is dealing with anxiety is that I understood how to feel an emotion and to not let it completely control me and that I can observe and be with it and take action anyway and just move through it rather than trying to fix it. That has been life-changing for me with anxiety. And then another thing that recovery has changed for me with anxiety is viewing anxiety as not always my enemy. And anxiety can 
be quite debilitating, debilitating. It's frustrating. It's especially frustrating with someone who has such high anxiety to then be with people who seem chill as fuck all the time and they never seem to stress about anything and they're just like why are you so stressed out you should be calm like saying that to someone with anxiety they just want to murder you because they're like i have every reason why and your body's just in fight or flight all the time right and it's just telling you no we need to be panicked at all times and it's frustrating but um i now kind of view anxiety as energy and a drive and it's sometimes, again, it feels like nu- nuclear energy or what I don't know what I'm trying to say, just dangerous energy. It feels like it's a little volatile sometimes. But uh, yesterday I was working at a cafe and um, I had had a bit too much caffeine, which obviously didn't help my anxiety. I didn't have enough to eat. So I felt like I was just riding a little bit high on the anxiety train, right? And I was like, this feels a little dangerous. And I was like, just breathe with it. We'll get some food soon. It's going to be okay. Use this energy, finish finish the task, and then go and get yourself food. You're not going to die here. Ride it. Stay on it. Don't give up and sabotage and fail and throw yourself off the train. This is just this is just high, high energy, and it's a little bit more than your system can handle right now. But it's not necessarily your enemy. It's just your drive to do things, right? It's just creating this energy for you to um, to engage. I used to, sometimes I still do, but um, I would, when was it? When I was still working for another company, I would get, we had a cafe near us, I'm in Colorado, so obviously CBDs everywhere, but um things with actual uh, THC are not legal everywhere in the States. But anyway, they had um, at the coffee shop these little CBD uh, chocolates. And sometimes I would get those when I had really high anxiety. But I noticed that once I took those and the CBD settled in, I was actually a little bit too tired to do my work. or I felt a little bit too chill to do my work. And that's why I started it and put it together till later. But I started to notice that, oh, a little bit of this anxious energy kind of helps drive me sometimes. It's a skill. Just like binging and purging, the drive that I think a lot of binging, people that binge and purge were kind of all or nothing people and were a little bit extreme. And sometimes that's quite bad. Obviously, it leads us to do terrible things for ourselves. Um, but it also can lead us to take big risks and be bold and be intense about things and go all in on things. Anxiety, I feel like as much as it sucks sometimes, I viewed it as kind of a strength and a skill of it drives me forward and propels me in my life. And if I use it correctly, it's actually not that bad of a trait. And I don't want to be super chill about things all the time. Um, And maybe someone who's overly chill, they never do the things that I do because they don't have that propulsion that seems to be naturally in my body. So I've kind of changed how I thought about anxiety as I've recovered as well, which has been interesting for me and kind of helpful and helped me yesterday when I was experiencing anxiety purely from not eating enough food and drinking too much caffeine, which I did resolve. I had food later, I promise. Um, So anyway, that's kind of my take. I hope this is helpful for you. Um, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to record today, but I thought since someone asked a question about it, it'd be helpful. If you want more information, go to bingebreakers.com. Check out my Instagram. I'm considering doing IG subscriptions at some point um, because I like making Instagram content. And so I don't know if you think it'd be a good idea or not. Let me know. I'm also considering doing a podcast theme for the month or something, doing things. Um, and I would love, love, love to have more guests on the podcast this year. It's not that 
that I think I'm just all high and mighty and I have the only opinions in the world. So it just takes effort to go out and find guests, reach out to them, convince them <laughs> and ask them to be on your show and then record, find a time to record together and then have them be on here. But I know that would bring so much value to the show and I would hope to have more clients and group members on the podcast this year too. So there's more to come. Be patient with me. I'm just one person trying to figure out my life too. But uh, thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Never give up on yourself. Bye.